0: Welcome to TNT with Teresa Quinlan. And Reese Thomas. We are friends from across the pond on a life evolution. We want to bring you topics that challenge your status quo. Guests that help you think differently. And nuggets of wisdom that spark being. Being what? You, authentic you. Today we're welcoming Jeff Baido and Phil Dixon of Enjoy Global. Let me just tell you a little bit about Enjoy Global before I introduce our two guests. It's a culture-shaping company dedicated to transforming the workplace through employee engagement and workforce development solutions that strengthen company culture by building teamwork, shared purpose, and commitment to improve performance and enhance the bottom line. Their mission is simple, to help companies create the best culture possible for their employees. Now personally, I've had the pleasure of knowing these gents since February of this year, and I'm so excited to introduce them. Jeff Beito is the COO and co-founder of Enjoy Global and the host of the Enjoy Success podcast. He's also the co-creator of the revolutionary self-care app, Enjoy Daily. What started decades ago with a childhood passion in discovering the most successful ways to live was materialized almost a decade ago when Jeff co-founded Enjoy Global, a company aligned with his personal mission to help as many people as possible live the life of their dreams. As a COO, he brings a very unique combination of skills to the corporate culture shaping and personal development arena. This might be perhaps because he's got a master's in spiritual psychology and a background in video game industry, along with years of experience in executive coaching and personal development. This is a cocktail, gamification, positive psychology. And Jeff is on the cutting edge of what makes changing for the better easier and faster than ever before phil dixon is the vp of customer and team success at enjoy global his responsibilities are all about creating the strong internal and external relationships with customers and the enjoy global team phil has got a variety of professional experiences from multinational organizations to startup environments and he has a genuine love of people which i've gotten to experience firsthand And I get to experience an almost monthly conversations that we've been having for the past four months since I've embarked on the 30-day challenge project with Enjoy. It's a total thrill to have Jeff and Phil joining me today. Welcome to TNT.
1: Nice to see you, Teresa. Thank you.
2: Thanks for having us, Teresa. We're excited to be here.
0: I'm excited to have you. I've known both of you now February-ish of 2020 was when I got the email of, would you be on our podcast? We'd love to have you as a guest. Yes. If you're this nice in an email, I definitely want to be part of whatever it is you guys are doing. And so we did the podcast and your podcasting producer, Andrew, was so lovely afterwards in sending me an email about what his experience was like on it. And then we've now collaborated in the 30-Day Challenge stuff. So I was pumped for me to just make the introduction of you two fabulous people to Reese. And now Reese can't be with us today because he's managing a household of sick people. Mm -hmm. So he's going to listen back and we're going to give him something awesome to listen to today. I would love to hear your personal stories about how you got, to use your word, just steeped in this kind of work that you're doing along the realms of personal development and neuroscience and challenging your own perspective and status quo and growing to be better and different.
1: Love it. Phil, you want to go first or...
0: Uh, sure, I'll go first.
2: I am uh, not steeped, and I don't come from a background of, of of all those things that you mentioned. For me, it's been a lot of trial and error, and then some more error, and then some more error, and then a little bit more trial, and then and then a lot of mentoring and a lot of support. I have a very circuitous route to how I got here. I was a chiropractor in a former life, and that's what I thought I wanted to be all of my life since I was 19. And then that path went a little a few different directions, and made a few career changes, and I actually ended up meeting Jeff. And I was actually Jeff's first big corporate client about 10 years ago now, 11, maybe even more, 11 years ago now. Jeff and I really hit it off. I was working for a multinational aerospace company, and I got thrown into this global role for safety and health and wellness. And backing up a little bit about how I got into this, I remember I went in and I had an amazing mentor and boss and I'd go in and just scream and yell like, I don't understand why people don't care about other people. Like what is wrong with everybody? And to her credit, she would listen to me and then say, that's fine. But what what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do to make this change? How are you going to convince people that your way is the right way to help people be better and to, and to make the changes you really want, because you, you can't just rant and rave about it. You have to do something and you have to figure out how people work and what motivates them and, and how you can get your agenda done in, in times like this. And so that really helped me writing emails that were like 1,500 words long to like actually going and talking to people and having empathy for others. I was not great at that either. And I think that's been a big change for me. Jeff and I became friends, and so outside of the work relationship, we had gone on hikes together and, and became really good friends in the process and then I went to go to a startup, learned a ton of stuff there. again, it was a huge learning process for me of getting thrust into this big role, of starting a company from scratch and I thought I had all the answers there too and turns out I didn't have any uh or very few and it was very tough and then that dissolved for me and then knowing we wanted to work together for a long time Jeff found a position for me and at, at enjoy and it's worked out really well and we've had our personality struggles and stuff like that but we've gotten into this place especially this year in in this really tough environment that we've been in in 2020, to be in the best spot we've ever been because we come from a basis of love and respect for each other. And also all the things that our platform does and our company stands for, I've been using myself. It's been a really tough time. My voice is a little scratchy. I just had back surgery four days ago and I'm coming back off of that. And I've used the gratitude. Gratitude for me has been the biggest key getting through this whole mental 2020 madness that has culminated in, in back surgery. So that's my kind of winding story to, to get to where we are now. For me, it's something that the big takeaway and the final point for me on this is it doesn't have to be innate this thought of empathy, kindness, gratitude, focus on your priorities. This is, does not have to be innate because it's not innate for me. I have a love for people. I always have, but, but those things I have, I have gone from very marginal at times in my life to I think I'm pretty good. Now I have to be able to apply that in the personal home life as well. Cause at work, I'm pretty good at it, but I'm still, I'm still working on that in the personal realm. So
0: my husband says that when you, change how you're looking at something that something ends up changing and gratitude Mm. has been one of those practices that really shifts the mindset so that when you're looking at things you're looking through an entirely different lens when you look through that lens of gratitude and it can literally change the landscape of your life when you do that which is why it's such a powerful practice to do if it's the only one people do and take away from listening that would be a good one to be the only one to do yeah agreed Jeff, how about you? Uh,
1: so mine goes back a little bit further. Uh, I was steeped in it. So in eighth grade, I had what was clinically diagnosed as a, a very bad attitude. Um, <laughs> my, my, I was, uh, I'm from a tiny little town in, uh, in Wisconsin. And at that point, I was really butting heads with my dad. And to his credit, instead of writing it off to those like terrible kind of early teen teen years, he gave me uh, Earl Nightingale's Strangest Secret in the World cassette tape. Which I reluctantly took, I listened to, and then I listened to again, and then I listened to again. And I listened to that probably a thousand times, and it hooked me. It was the first time I'd ever heard anyone talk about goals or the power of our mind or that our thinking creates things, any of that stuff. And I got hooked. So from eighth grade, I listened to everything that Zig Ziglar, Dennis Waitley, Jim Rohn, uh, Tony Robbins, anything that I could get my hands on, usually tapes. And I became the most positive person in my hometown by a lot, not even close. There weren't very many people in my hometown, but it created the basis of who I was. I really liked who I was and, and how that had shaped me. But what I, one of the things I found was as soon as I stopped listening, I, I became less. As soon as I stopped reading, I fell back. So I always dreamed of at some point having more support. And so fast forward a bunch of years, and it turns out that a lot of people and, and most of us could use a little bit of support when it comes to keeping us in a positive state of mind, and at our best and now the technology is kind of caught up with that we and the dream of enjoy has been to create a platform that virtually holds people's hands on a daily basis to help them be at their best providing a little bit of inspiration to get the mind going a little bit of intention so we choose into what the kind of life and day we want to have and then the ability to actually create and maintain change so it's been a dream a long time coming and uh, now i'm surrounded by a team and an extended group of people that we get to work with it's kind of a, this is my dream incarnate, like getting to work with people who are all all naturally like amazingly strong in those muscles and with a desire to really help share that with the world.
0: You mentioned two things. Number one, cassette tapes for our audience members that don't know what a cassette tape is. Could you describe (laughs)
1: Before, uh, before downloadable music, before CDs, before like some, sometime 40 or 80 years ago, sometime back in, you know, the dinosaurs and, and then cassette tapes. So these were things that had recordings on them and you put them in some sort of device to play. Uh, you can go to a museum. I think there, I think you can probably see pictures of it somewhere. So the
0: device yeah. is called a Walkman.
1: A Walkman. I, and they yeah, just a
0: yeah. boom box, a ghetto blaster. There it is. Uh, yeah. A car tape deck. In fact, yeah. my first vehicle, and I didn't get my second, I got my first vehicle in 2004. I waited a long time. It had a cassette deck in it. Didn't have wow. a CD player in it, a cassette deck. It's a vintage. good thing I held on to my yeah. 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 That's
1: awesome. Thank you
0: for that. And you also mentioned something I think that is maybe a power tip for people is that whenever I stopped doing the practices, I had less, I was less positive. I was less, my mindset was less. My attitude was less. And so I'm wondering if you can expand for us a little bit on the neuroscience or psychology behind practice.
1: When anyone thinks about it, it becomes utterly obvious. But unfortunately, most of us don't think about it, or somehow we've gotten into a weird belief that we can read one book and then we're then we're good. Like I got it, or go to one workshop or one training session, uh, instead of realizing that we use the example of physical well-being. No one would ever go to the gym once in January and like, okay, I'm good for the year. I'm in shape, going to be strong all year long. Our our mental well-being, our emotional well-being, it's the same thing. They're muscles. And if we don't exercise them, they atrophy. And so it's a daily practice. It's something that we have to build into our way of being. That's the key.
2: I'd add to that and for my example of not being someone who is naturally mentally fit in this arena. I love that gym analogy because it makes total sense to my actual experience in 2020. There have been so many times in 2020 where I've wanted to wallow in the dark side and be in the negative state. I think it's just easier sometimes just to do that two things that i've been doing and and that's been consistent one is gratitude the other one is sharing small wins and in fact we've done it around the dinner table and even my wife who at times has been silent when we've gotten to her i say oh so what's yours kristen what's your win and then she'll think of it and she'll have a great win And, and that little shift it, it has to be continuous on an interval schedule throughout your life. You have to make it a, a daily or weekly practice to be able to be fit. And again, I'm an, I'm a perfect example of someone who, in that gym analogy, who would rather sit at home and, and binge watch a show on Netflix, you know, instead of going to the gym and, and getting on, on the bike. So I am so grateful for that practice of just being there and and doing it consistently and seeing the changes in a time where there's been times where I really have not wanted to.
0: It reminds me of science, of physics class, the law of inertia. An object at rest will stay at rest. An object in motion will stay in motion. And so whatever you happen to be in, the opposite is very difficult to have occur without some sort of a disruption. And when we can find whatever that motivational disruption can be to get us to actually come out of that old habit, bad habit pattern to get into the new one, it takes a little while to get that momentum then moving. It's almost as hard sometimes to stop things as it is to start things. And generally mm-hmm. most people have to start and stop something, not just mm-hmm. one. They have to do both. Great point, Jeff, do you have some favorite practices then that, because Phil just shared with his and how he does it with his family. Do you have some favorite practices that you do?
1: I do. You know, 2020 has been a year where I've really dove much more deeply into my personal practice. My new favorite one, which I talk about a lot is a little meditation. I've tried to meditate over the years. I have my master's in spiritual psychology. Like I've tried to be a very spiritual person for a long time. And meditation was always in that. I've done retreats and that's fine. But in my daily routine by myself, I've really struggled with it thanks to YouTube for a lot of reasons, it's just easier to have guided meditations. And I use the Wim Hof 12 minute meditation. Now Wim Hof is the ice man. He's this guy from Holland, I believe. And he's just, he's a very interesting guy. You can Google him and he's, he has a breathing technique that is designed to just slow you down. And it's the one thing that's really worked for me. And so I do it in morning and night and it's just this little 10 or 11 minutes uh, breathing exercise. And it's been fantastic for me, really grounded in the morning really letting go of things before bed. And, I, and sleep was my goal. Like I have, exercise has been a pretty you know consistent routine. Our team is pretty steeped in positivity. So I'm around a lot of awesome people that way. But uh, my sleep was horrible. I just mm-hmm. struggled with it for a long time. And so I made that a game. I got one of these aura rings to chart my my sleep score and then started doing things. And this was this has been the one that I credit the most. My sleep has improved dramatically and, and therefore my quality of life has gone up by a lot. But I stack them. So one of the things that we talk mm-hmm. about is stacking small positive habits. So what's so great is positive habits compound exponentially. Mm-hmm. So if you can do a couple things back to back, the effect of that, can be much larger than any of those things individually. Um, waking up and having a little 10 minute, 10 minutes. Like again, it's gotta be fast, everyone's busy. So that's the thing. Years ago, we had conducted a survey and asked people, hey, if you'll give us two hours of your day and we guaranteed the best year of your life, would you, would you do it? Absolutely best year of your life in every way. And 100% of the people said, no, that's impossible. There's no way we'll give you two hours. It's just, it's too much time, one hour. Still like 99% said, no, that's not going to happen half, at, at a half an hour. They said, when maybe they could do it, but it would depend when, but at like 10 minutes and below everyone got a look and they're like, if I say no to this, what I'm actually saying is I don't want it because there's, we can all find five or 10 minutes. And so that's what we have really designed to is a minute here, a minute there. And if you can think of little positive habits in a minute increment, it's like, I can do that. And that's the real goal because we're busy. Everyone's busy. So the idea of taking an hour, a half hour, that's just a lot for most of us to consider. But if we could do a minute here and a minute there, and those things actually had a positive impact in a noticeable way, then we're much more likely to do another thing and another thing. We found that if we ask people to do 10 things each day that that would change their life, they did none. But if we ask them to do one thing, they tend to do three or four kind of to your point and a little bit of the psychology, just pick one thing and watch how, if you do that one thing, you're, you're more inclined to do one more good thing for yourself. And pretty soon you've done three or four and those three or four actually have a pretty amazing cumulative effect on, on your experience for the day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You said that you have your master's in spiritual psychology and that you've been trying to live a spiritual life for your whole life. Which reminds me of two things, and I want to bring this to a part in our conversation where I would really love to hear about your thoughts on mental practice and perspective, like how we look at things that we're aiming for. So I had this conversation yesterday with someone who said, They met an individual who has a master's in divinity. And I'm just thinking, how do you actually get like your master's in divinity? It seems the goal to reach divinity would be like a lifelong goal. Who decides all of a sudden you're divine, quote unquote, divine. Is there an end mark? Is there an end point there where it's just like, okay, you've reached it. Because that to me seems like divinity, spirituality, wellness, well being it's ongoing. There's no end point, it's ongoing practice because it really is the longevity of it that is much more important than an end goal. And so how do we stay mentally strong to be able to dedicate day in and day out when there isn't a finish line? Like in a marathon, as a marathon runner, it's fairly simple to go, well, you're not finished until you cross the finish line. But in a lot of these things we're talking about, there isn't a finish line to them. And so how do we stay mentally prepared for the long game?
1: Yeah, I think by not making it a long game. The marathon's a good example. That's long in itself and it's not a 26.2 mile race. You know, you train for six months, eight months, a year. So it's really a a year long race, which is incredible. But if we just took a 5K and I wanted to run a 5K in, in a month and a half, that's whatever, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. I, I can't remember how long that's, not, not 20 minutes. I, For the I, fast people,
0: it's 20 minutes. For the fast
1: people, yeah. More, more like an hour, whatever it is. But, <laughs> but you know, we think about that and, and it's nice to have these chunks, like things that we are working towards that we can complete because it's hard to think. It's just hard to get our head around a lifetime of work. We talk a lot about making things a game. This is about tricking our brain. Our brain is powerful. In every direction, it's powerful when we're using it to support ourselves. It's, it's also powerful when it wants to protect us from being tired or failing or doing something that's uncomfortable. So tricking the brain is a big part of it until we form the habit. Brushing our teeth is not something that anyone worries about or thinks about, and it's good for us and we do it every day. And some people have that for exercise or mm-hmm. for eating healthy. That's the goal. If we can make it unconscious, like we've done it so many times that it's in our body. We just do it. Then we freed up our mental space. It's it's no longer something we have to think about. We just do it. It's just part of our routine. But until we're there, Mm -hmm. we find games are are key. And that's why that 30 days, it's always a starting point. You know, you hear a lot of people talk like, oh, it takes 21 days to form a habit or 30 days to form a habit. That's not true. That's Mm -hmm. not true. If anyone's ever gone to the gym for three weeks in a row, did you then form the habit and never not go again? No, we've all gone to the gym for three, three weeks in a row or a month and then not gone. So what it does, the actual science behind that is it's 21 days doing something consistently, we can start to form a new neural pathway in our brain. So we start to create a groove of connections, that's great. But if you've been doing something for 20 years a different way, that connection is way stronger than the new connection. So just cause you've done it for 21 days does not mean that it's gonna override the old one, but it is a start but you play a game. You do it for 30 days and you're like, whoa, that felt better. It it feels more comfortable, more natural. You take a little break, maybe you do another 30 days. And then pretty soon you've stacked those enough that you know yourself to be kind of equal, the old groove and the new groove. And now it's preference, right? And you can start to say, well, I know I feel better when I do that. I don't wanna do it, but I know I feel better when I do it. And now you can start to have the willpower because you do have the path, it's built up enough, but that doesn't still mean that you're not gonna have bad days All of the gurus have horrible days as well. But the difference is they don't stay there. They just don't stay there.
0: Very key difference. A master's in divinity, of course, is like I have the knowledge. Knowledge. Doesn't mean I practice it or I'm putting it into play on a regular basis because I also have the other knowledge, which gives me choice.
1: That's right. And that's the game. Like Our greatest attribute as humans is our ability to choose our experience or our response, regardless of what's happening outside. That's the most incredible gift. Something is happening, 2020, we have pandemics, we have civil unrest, we have a weird economy, we have job loss, and and still, some people are growing in ways they never thought, creating deeper relationships with their family than they knew were possible. Like, there are story after story of people who have chosen a way different experience than what the outer world would say is possible right now. Phil, I get into these and then I don't... <laughs> Go ahead. I couldn't have have said it better.
2: I was really reflecting on on my bad day. To be honest and totally frank, I've had, you know, five days post-surgery and I've been feeling pretty good. I've been walking after having back surgery. I walked and yesterday was a terrible day for me. I was in this really dark space, foggy. And it's interesting because so much of it is choice too. And towards the end of the day, I was like, what am I doing here? Why am I in this space? Nothing had changed. There was no change in my circumstances. It's not like I, I got more pain or anything changed really. It was just like this thing that came over me. And, and at the end of the night, I, I, I actually went back to the gratitudes, started looking through a bunch of wins that, that we have. And then I decided... When I woke up this morning I wasn't going to have another day like that but I had the tools to be able to access it and I think that's one of the biggest like takeaways for me and for what Jeff said is the choice I think that's been also one of my secrets to success is, is knowing I have the choice. And when I start going down that path, even before having the tools, I know I have a choice to determine my outlook on the day. And from going to rant and rave from my previous boss and s- slamming everybody and telling them how terrible they were and, and her reframing me and saying, okay, you have a choice now. You can continue to yell, which is fine. You can vent, which God bless her for that. But what are you going to do about it. What choice are you going to make? And I think that's one of the most profound things that I've learned and, and known is we all have a choice in how we react. On what comes in to us. And especially now, it is so important to know how much power you have over your own circumstances. Because I feel like sometimes people feel like they're these leaves wafting in the wind or the tornado or the tsunami or the cyclone, whatever is going on. And especially 2020 has been like that for so many people that they're allowing themselves to be swept away uh, instead of standing firm and saying, I have some choice here. I, I, even though things are bad, I can focus on the small wins. I can go back to the gratitude and the positivity in my life. Even if it's super small, we have people who who are grateful for the sun coming up in the day. Like I can be grateful for that every single day or grateful for a hot shower or electricity or base things. And it really does make a difference. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that, that I can share is the choice that people have and, and the power that we have internally to see something, experience something, and, and, and choose the path of light instead of darkness or, or hope rather than despair or seeing stress as a challenge rather than a threat. And I think that's a really big point. So yeah, Jeff, awesome.
0: There's a beautiful dynamic when you mention these sort of polarities of emotional experiences and I'm going to choose hope, which is a very much an emotional experience over despair, another emotional experience. And one does not exist without the other. We're Mm -hmm. not aware of one without having also experienced the other and the complexity of the human experience. And then sometimes we make the whole thing way more complex than we need to, because a lot of what you're offering right now is the simplicity of how do I get from A to B? Well, I could choose to make it really difficult. And I can also choose to throw my hands up in the air and go, there's absolutely nothing that I could possibly do to make this better. Or if I'm going to try, it's going to be really hard. And all of these obstacles are in my way. Comparatively, there's a simplicity and a simple way of us being able to go about every choice we make in life. And I think you demonstrated it really quite eloquently. And like, it's this or that. And if you want to look at it in binary terms, sometimes it is as simple as just going this one or this one, like, which would you rather have? And because we are complex human beings and understand, sometimes it's really easy to go, well, I would rather have that one. And then, but wait, all of this stuff is now going to get in my way. That means I'm going to have to be, I'm going to have to let go of, I'm going to, Mm -hmm. these things seem really hard. I'm curious in your personal evolution, what have been the hardest things you've had to let go of in order to make that choice of, Oh, I'm going to pick this one. I'm going to pick the hope, not the despair, because sometimes it's easy to pick the despair. I'm just going to wallow for a little bit.
2: Jeff, you want to go on that one or uh, sure. uh, yeah, go ahead. I'll follow up.
1: My biggest challenge over the years was I had listened and it had gone in uh, to my head. I had a lot of inspirational thoughts and work and teachings and things that I had listened to from people that were up here, but I didn't feel it. I knew I should be practicing gratitude. I did practice gratitude, but I didn't feel grateful. I knew I should have a positive attitude or a positive outlook, but I I didn't feel positive. Right behind the scenes, I was feeling blah. And so this is where I'm at right now is I'm working through how do I get coherence? How do I get to feel what I know I want to be feeling? How do I connect my feeling, again, to my mind, to my thoughts? Those had become, for years, my entire life, they'd been very separate. Again, I was someone who was very heady, and so I lived here, about neck above. I was very sensitive as a kid, and that didn't feel great a lot of the time, so I turned that off. So numb is what I became as a feeler. So now trying to open that up, and again, to... Dr. Joe Dispenza speaks really beautifully about this, that the brain thought is an electrical charge and the heart is magnetic charge, but you gotta have both of them to create the field that you want. And I only had one, so it just was harder. Life was just still harder. I was still forcing things and, and now I'm much more grateful, genuinely, like I actually feel it. I would do it and I wanted to mean it. I wanted to feel it, but now when I say it, like, and this is just in, you know, Phil's been out for four days and I want him to take as much time that he, as he needs to get back. But man, I miss him. Like I can just, I feel how much he's helping like our clients and how, what he does for our team. And, and I genuinely, I'm like, oh, I, I wanna give him a hug. And same with my other partners and their other team members, like it's, but I, this is new to me feeling what I wanted to be feeling. So, and that's just, I think that's the, that's my big struggle. And I think for all of us, like not just thinking about it, like I wanna be grateful for, Phil said the simple things like the sun coming up, if you can feel that, like life's good, right? Because that does happen every day. If it's every time you turn on the light, you're conscious about the fact, Whoa, I live in a country that has electricity whenever I want it. We have running water whenever I want it. I go to a store and it's filled with food every time I want it. hundred percent, that's just default. And if it's not there or something doesn't work, I get angry. Stepping back and being like, wow, wow. I mean, it's all amazing. I have no idea how like electricity works. I have no idea how many people it took to get fresh apples in the grocery store when I want them and starting to just have those be the thoughts. I genuinely feel better. Everyone knows when you feel good, life's better. You're better. Nothing changed except everything's different. We become better versions of ourselves when we're in a positive state of mind. That's the fact from a brain scan, all of our learning centers, we literally light up when we're in a positive state of mind versus negative or neutral. It's just darker. So if we can do the things that move us into a positive state of mind and get into the feeling tone, bring it into our heart and actually experience how that feels, then we become a powerful magnet for good. So not only do the things we look at change, we attract new stuff. Now we're powerful creators, which again, I think the gift of life is the fact that we get to create. I would say humans want the same stuff. We want love, we want connection, we want joy, we want a sense of contribution. Like these are universal, so it doesn't, there's no distinguishing on sides of anything doesn't matter at our core every person is looking for those feelings and that's kind of a, a fun thing to connect on
0: phil you said you were going to follow up <laughs> i mean uh
2: i the, the mic drop uh interesting for, for me i've always had this irrational confidence that I, I don't know where it comes from but but i've always had this irrational confidence that i could get things done and, and things were going to work out for me again i don't know where it comes from but i've, I've started from that position The thing that I was really struggling with is is twofold for me. One was the empathy part. It took me a while. That story about me ranting and raving is one of my, again, my favorites because I didn't have a lot of ability to put myself into the general manager at that one facility's choose to to say they have their job they have their things that they're doing maybe they're going through a tough time right now so empathy is really the thing that i've worked on the most to, to change my perspective and i've gotten a lot better at that again a mental muscle that like you can build empathy yes the other one is actually having the tools I didn't have the tools before. I'm not a self-help person at all. You know, I I love listening to podcasts like yours and and, and our podcast because it's not something I've ever done before. Like I I like to kind of zone out (laughs) when I'm listening to podcast sports ones or comedy ones. You know, I never had the tools and I didn't have the family intervention that Jeff had when he was uh, having his struggles, which I also had a, a little bit later. I needed the tools also to open me up now. For me, it was a mentor and some close friends that helped me get there. And then working with Jeff, learning the tools that he's had for you know, the last however many years has really helped me. So I would say building empathy, the muscle of empathy uh, has been humongous for me and, and has been the most drastic change. That basis of having some sort of confidence that I've always seen stress as a challenge rather than a threat I've always been able to see like, all right, what are we going to do beyond the ranting and raving and then having the actual tools to be able to do it and and actually practicing it. For example, until I started working with Jeff, and this is probably last year. I would have post-its all over my desk, my wall, whatever. And he, he uses a notebook and I, I never used a notebook before. And now I have a notebook and I use this notebook and I have like check marks all over my notebook and it feels so good. And so these types of tools that are so simple to do have been the big change in, in my life and has created this, this change for me.
0: That's incredible. Thank you guys for, for sharing that. So, when you call it irrational confidence, I call it optimism and self regard and emotional intelligence. Those are the two mm. skills that come out. <laughs> like, mm,
2: I like that. That sounds way yeah, better. Those are much better. <laughs> irrational confidence is, is from a sports podcast, too, about a guy who just goes in and shoots three pointers all the time and he has irrational confidence. So, that's where I got that term from, it's from a, a sports podcast. I'll take that. I like yours way better. I'm going to write that down. Say that again.
0: <laughs> optimism and self regard. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I like that. And then Jeff, like the connection of head to heart is that's lifelong work is making that connection and potentially overcoming how we were raised, which was disruptive to our connection there, whether we were sometimes told. I'm angry. You shouldn't be angry. Being angry, isn't nice. And so then we learn like some emotions we're not supposed to have because they quote unquote, aren't nice to have. And so then we start labeling things as good and bad emotional experiences. And then some people have experiences when, when they were happy, joyful, that was a dangerous place for them to be in because someone then decided that wasn't appropriate and took those things away from them. So we arrive in adulthood with a really big disconnection between our thinking thoughts and our feeling body. And making that connection is so critical to our well-being. To wanna practice gratitude, you're right. You need to be able to say, oh, this is making me feel better. And I could tell it's making me feel better. And then articulate how you can tell it's making you feel better. And until you can actually get to that space where you can express the benefits you're experiencing, sometimes it feels like all the work you're doing is just a lot of time put in for nothing in return. It's a really, really powerful elements that you guys shared. Thank you so much. So I'm wondering if we can hear more about and share with our listeners the work that you're doing at Enjoy.
1: Yeah, uh, it's one of our favorite topics. So uh, we're a software company. And if you think about it, we've created a platform that makes it easy to create 30-day challenges around any area of growth that someone wants. And we work with a bunch of amazing, talented creators, authors, speakers, trainers, who use it as a way to make their content experiential. We use the example, like if you've ever read a self-help book, which a lot of us have, some that we didn't read, they just bought and they look nice up there. Some that we've gone through and we've highlighted and dog-eared and there's just gems in there and we love it. I have that. And if you ask me, what am I doing out of that book or that book? I don't know. I'm not even sure if I really remember what's in it. And so authors all know that's a challenge. Like they just, they wrote their, you know, their heart and souls in there, 20 years of expertise. It's all just right there. But at the end of the day, it's hard to make someone do it. That's what we've really dedicated ourselves is what if we could make change, creating change, creating a new habit, easy. What if we could make it fun? What if we could make it something that people did together? What if we could make it fit into our already overwhelmed, very busy lives so that every month as a snapshot, you could be like, I'm a little bit better version of myself this month. And over time, you could really have data, trackable data that would said, wow, I've grown. And I think that's what we all want. I have a five-year-old and any parents out there know like the joy of watching a kid grow. I mean, it just is amazing. A lot of us forget that. Like we get good at something, we do that thing over and over and we end up the joy of growing and learning. And, and especially when that's focused on us being more of ourselves is kind of one of the points of the end game. So if we can get into that process, we use our platform to get it in everybody's pocket. You're doing a 30 day challenge. Literally, if if you could call people up and say, Hey, remember you're this kind of person. Here's a little bit of inspiration to start your day. Oh, and don't forget like the coaches of the world, if the trainers of the world could do that for the people that love them and follow them, how much bigger of a difference could be made? Again, this was my personal journey. We all need a little bit of help on this end. And if we could have Teresa right next to us, we know what's possible, but you can't be right next to me all the time until now. And I think that's what we're seeing is we have 400 high school students practicing empathy. We have middle school students practicing perseverance and resilience. And we have hundreds of thousands of people in corporate America who have worked on values like integrity or being a good example. And now we have what thousands of people, but hundreds of creators who are bringing their content to life in 30 day challenges where people get to literally walk with the material. So it isn't something that you've just studied. It's something that you're being and something that you're doing. And that's where the difference lies. we become what we repeatedly do excellence therefore is not an act, but a habit. I think that's Aristotle's credited with that. So if we just read something, we don't do anything differently, then that's insanity, doing the same thing, but expecting a different result. But if we do something different, we can genuinely expect a different result. And so to get us doing something differently, that's the goal.
0: I think too, like if we read something and have to take it or only take it for its face value, like I'm gonna use your meditation example. When you look up like, what is meditation? And then you get this like history of meditation, you go, there's no bloody way I'm gonna do (laughs) There's no way I'm gonna do that. So when we read something and take it as there's one way to Oz, then very few people will be able to participate in it. But if we are capable of reading lots of things and assimilating practices that work for us, (laughs) then you can have multiple roads on the way to Oz it does not have to be this one singular thing that gets you there. Although for some people, it might just be one singular thing.
1: Well, in addition to that, you read a little bit, then try something because what we want now we live in a world of social media where our experience, we want to share what we're doing. We don't, you know, gone are the days where we want a guru on the stage who just gives us a bunch of wisdom. And we sit there idly and take notes. We want someone to guide us so that we can share our own experience. So we want a little bit of information. Someone just shared, there's more information coming at us in a day than people in the 50s had in a year. It's not having more and more reading and times, and although it's there, which again, thanks to the books and and YouTube, it's like information's never been more and Google more available. But the biggest thing we want is to share our experience and to feel in community while we're growing in in a certain direction. So if we get a little information, then we go try it, and then we can share what, what it was like for us, that can be a thousand different things. So to your point, if the question is, hey, What was it like for you to meditate today? Or how did you meditate today? And then people can do with that. Well, I went for a walk or I sat still for this, or Mm -hmm. I had a real deep conversation. Great, do it in a million different ways. And that's the beauty and the richness of the conversation is everyone brings their unique experience into doing what it is that we all know as a thing will move the needle in a certain direction.
0: Mm -hmm. Phil, what's your favorite part of work at Enjoy?
2: Thank you for asking. Uh, It's actually, and this is gonna sound like I'm sucking up, so I I wanna make sure it's clear. It's working with people like you and the, the creators, the authors, speakers, coaches, trainers that are out there that are inspiring me besides seeing my team. Working with entrepreneurs who, who have this great vision of how they're going to heal people in some way or another. We have you know emotional intelligence to happiness, to kindness, to being a better leader, all of these things. And like Jeff said, we've done integrity and we're actually finishing up a challenge with a high school right now. And, and working with the customers who have this singular focus on making people's lives better is something that inspires me. And I can't tell you how much I love that. Uh, so for me, it's that. And then a close second is working with the team. <laughs> I'm just
0: kidding. <laughs> so, well, as a client, I will tell you that it's been the easiest professional relationship I've ever had. Working with honestly. you guys has been so simple. You just carved the path and made it so easy for me to go from step one to step 20 and be able to say, I'm not really happy with that. You're like, what do you want to change it to? Like the accommodation, mm-hmm. the flexibility, the adaptability mm-hmm. to allow the vision to come to life has been really incredible.
2: Thanks. That's been Jeff's and our CEO Linda's goal from the beginning, right? It's to create an organization that people want to work with, not only because the product is so great, because the people are so great. And we really take that seriously and talk a lot about that. But I, I'm inspired every single day. I'm looking up at my visual management board of, of all the things we got going on, and I and and I love working with everybody. And and that's not always been the case. As prime my example, what I was talking about working at the other company where I'd sit around and rant and rave about the people I had to work with, right? Like that that's totally gone. I, I have, I take no time doing that at all these days. So uh, that that's my favorite part.
0: Okay. On TNT, we have a hashtag, let's throw it up there. Come on guys, throw it up there. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm, <laughs>
1: I'm not sure what? I've ever done that before. Is hashtag that right? One. Let me see it. Good. Yeah. Okay. Hashtag,
2: this way or this way.
0: Hashtag yeah. <laughs> not, not anymore. One of the things that I encourage when I'm coaching is for people to consider, what do you want to stop doing? straight away. And so, you know, 2020, Jeff as you mentioned earlier, has been a bit of a shitstorm and totally has run us amuck and it's to be expected. It was a lot of stuff really fast and it's day in and day out and sometimes it gains more speed than others and sometimes it's more than one thing coming at you and it's just like wow, this is really challenging. And then it's given opportunity for us to say, you know what, I'm going to stop. So not anymore. Am I going to, this is our golden nugget of when you think about what do I want to tell the people listening of, I want to package everything that we talked about today. What would be your, look guys, if you just do this, do do this one thing, try this one thing, that'll make a big difference. What would be your golden nugget?
1: Phil, you want to go first on this one?
2: Sure, if you could do one thing, practice gratitude daily.
1: For me, and I really would challenge everybody to actually do this, I, I don't know if, uh, if anyone will. Think of one person that means a lot to you and call them today and tell them that you love them and that you miss them. Uh, one or two things about the role and the impact that they have in your life. During this year, my, my parents were supposed to come visit. We were supposed to go visit. Both those trips got canceled. So I haven't seen them in a year. They haven't seen my son, you know, they're older and they're not gonna be around very, you know, like, and that presence for me, the awareness that life is short. And this year has done a, a really great job of of reminding me that we can't like, I mean, no one would have guessed this. No one would have guessed this was going to happen. It's once in a hundred years and it's compounded by a whole bunch of different factors. and the challenge I would have is just is that, like, because that's easier. Like I'd love for you to love yourself and really consider how awesome you are deep in uh, and the gifts that you have for the world. But what's probably easiest to start with and will have a ripple effect is think of one person that totally means a lot to you and just tell them. If any of us got a call this morning and someone said, Hey Phil, you know, good morning. I just I woke up thinking about you, just want to tell you what an amazing friend you are and how much you mean to me in my life and you're, you're incredible, have a great day, I'll talk to you soon. If I hung up from that call, what kind of day would Phil have? He'd know nothing more about his job, nothing more about anything he did, but probably he'd have a better day. I mean, we would all feel better if we got that call. So let's be that call for someone. And I think like that would be, that would be my thing. Just do that one time and, and just watch what happens.
0: The power of connection. These are really simple things that we can take at, like really simple things to be able to take action on. And the ripple impact of them will be more than we probably even think they might be.
1: Plus, funerals suck uh, because it's too late. You know, the idea that we're here only for a short period of time and not taking even a day for granted. And, and the gift is, the not anymore, is if, if you love someone, figure out ways of, of expressing that and sharing that and living in that from that space. Because if you do, one, each day becomes richer and more beautiful then it's, it's also never too, like, it's never too late. If you if you just have that conversation today, great. Like we can all go to bed with like, yeah, I feel everyone knows, everyone knows. And I think that would be beautiful.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. So everyone's going to listen and say, Ooh, how can I be in touch with Jeff and Phil? So what's the best way for people to be in touch with you, Phil?
2: Email me, phil at enjoyglobal.com. It's super easy.
0: Link right to
1: the email. Amazing. Well, yeah. also just connect with him. He puts a, a lot of good stuff on LinkedIn. So uh, Phil Dixon on LinkedIn. So that we're both pretty active on that. And then Enjoy Global is our website, and you can you can email Phil. Like Phil's the best way to get to <laughs> me as well. So yeah, that's why I, that's why I
2: said.
0: it. I, <laughs> oh, that's terrific! I'll have all that in the show notes as well, so people can easily find it and click on it and get directly to you. Okay. We like to end our show with a rapid fire Q and A. It's five questions. Which emotion catches you off guard most often? Anxiety. Uh, Impatience. What do you do to regulate that emotion in the moment?
1: The Wim Hof breathing method. Like it's just breathe and hold.
0: Okay. Uh, for, for me, it's trying to go back to
2: empathy and and, and root in empathy because that's usually where my impatience comes from is a lack of
1: empathy.
0: What is next in your personal evolution?
1: Cold showers. <laughs> <laughs> part of the meditational process and a whole bunch of people I've interviewed uh, have it as part of their morning routine and it regulates the system in a different way. It, it activates certain things and uh, I hate the cold, hate it. Uh, I grew up in Wisconsin. I moved anywhere it was warm. So cold showers, that's next for me.
0: Nice. For,
2: for me, it's two quick things. Is one is empathy for my family and, and my kids that are going through this really hard educational process right now. And the, the eighth grade-ish area process of, of hormonal changes and all that. Uh, and, then, and then it's physical for me, is, is getting back on my, uh, literally back on my feet. So those two things together, I'm going to put a huge focus on in the next six months.
0: Okay, number four, when your best friend is having a meltdown, what do you say to them?
1: You know what? I can't remember the last time that any of my friends have had a real meltdown. I don't know if that means I'm not friends with enough people, uh, (laughs) which I'm, I'm an introvert, so I don't have a lot of people in that sphere. But the people I'm around are, it's much less of meltdowns and much more of can I share for a couple of minutes and just let a few things out? There's an awareness in the group of people that are around me. So they're coming to the conversation with, I'm here. I just, I wish it was more, but it's really just the space. Like I listen and usually within a couple of minutes, they're like, okay, thanks. I feel better. So I don't uh, do a whole lot, but uh, nice. that's, yeah, that's the crew.
2: One of the other mentors in my life told me something when we, when I was working in those chiropractic offices and he said, be more interested than interesting. And and I think that that's a, a really big quote for what I do when people are having a meltdown is I, I try because I, I like to be interesting and I like to talk. So it's for me, it's shifting to that interested position and, and doing what Jeff talked about. It's just, it's just listening and, and going, yeah, that sucks.
0: Which um, is also the skill of empathy. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> empathy, empathy, empathy. That's like your yeah, that's, that's me right yeah. <laughs> that's, that's me. That's
2: my EQ. That's my EQ place. I, I have to. I keep going to. So yeah,
0: yeah. And question five: In this moment, what are you most hopeful for?
1: Uh, I'm most hopeful that we enjoy, um, me personally, that we have created, and we're getting a chance to play a role in a lot of people's lives that we don't know in a way that's you know a small way that is supporting them being their best selves and sharing their gifts with the world. Uh, and that was always a dream. It's just always a dream. And it's the ripple effect is personally close to home. My family life's never been better. And I, I'm cherishing my friends more than ever as well. And so I think having that sense of purpose and having something that we're able to deliver on that that feels meaningful has been a gift.
2: I yeah, I don't wanna say ditto, but, uh, but ditto the way that we're able, working at Enjoy and working with the creators and and, and clients that we have, that that just astronomically and exponentially is creating change in in the world when so much of it is in chaos right now, is something that brings me so much hope. There are so many people out there trying to make a positive difference in everyone's lives and have dedicated their lives to doing that. It's it's just so awesome for for me to see that happen daily. And I get to work with people who are doing that and and know that we're providing a vessel to amplify these hopeful messages. And that's really something that, that keeps me going and, and uh, makes me at day four after surgery want to work with as many people as possible. So I love that.
0: That's a good indication of how awesome your workplace is. is day four yeah. after surgery, you're back at it. Yeah. <laughs> I miss these people so much. I do. Thank you both so much for sharing your stories, your experiences, your wisdom with such great passion. As always, it's a pleasure to spend time with you.
1: Likewise, this is, you know, you're part of our family now. And it's I, I hadn't realized it was almost a year that you've been in the in the inner circle. And so um, this has been a huge honor just to, to be with you and in, in this way. And I'm looking forward to all the things that we end up getting to do together uh, from here on.
2: Yeah, I, I really appreciate ha- having us on, and I, I do really appreciate you too. I mean, you know, we've talked a lot of my my evolution is all around stuff that you're an expert at, right? Uh, the EQ stuff, like the emotional intelligence, is is so powerful. What you're up to, and what you what you. Uh, promote is, is such a, a key to people's success. And I, I just hope people understand how much how important emotional intelligence is. And it's been the, the defining factor of, of, of major life change for me. So uh, I love what you're up to. And, and I appreciate you having us on.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of TNT. Please share, subscribe, rate and review. And when you're ready for your personal evolution, check out Reese at trueselfcoaching.com. And for your emotional intelligence revolution, check out Teresa at iqeqtq.com.